Mr. Pandillero, ya no mates. Los vatos en the hood quieren que pare. Mamitas are crying, the homies are dying. Cristo te ama, come on and try You are now in the mix with Reformed Raza's Gangstick Race Series, Part 4 with Martin and Victor Velasquez. Gracias for tuning in. My name is Martin Velasquez, alongside with my brother. What up, what up, everybody? This is Pastor Vic right here. And my other brother, who is not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> or the crickets? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Justin is not able to join us on this episode. Uh, he has some personal things going on right now. Uh, but uh, we are here, uh, just us, uh, these two blood brothers <laughs> yeah we were, we're we're actually blood brothers christian brothers and blood brothers I'm, as well I'm the, I'm the older one he's the younger one but anyways uh gracias for tuning in uh don't forget to follow us on instagram to like us on facebook hit us up at reformrasa at gmail.com with any questions comments concerns or rebukes hit us up right there and i encourage you guys uh if you've been edified in any way shape or form to go ahead and hit that five star uh like or that five star button on Apple Podcast, leave us a comment, you know, send us an email, even just to encourage us or whatever it is. Uh, we we want to hear from you. We want to know what, what God has been doing through this little podcast that we have started in your life. Uh, it keeps us uh, motivated, keeps us going, just to know that there's people out there that are actually being built up. Because why we do this? To glorify God through the edification of the saints. It gives us a fire to and the motivation to keep keep going forward, knowing that people are being edified. God's people are being yeah. edified through this. So, yeah. man, thank you all for, for listening. Thank you for, for tuning in with yeah, us. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. And so, on our last episode, uh, we talked about, you know, why theology matters, and we made the point that us being Hispanics, being Christians, and we need to be a theological people because that's what's lacking in Hispanic churches, a real sound biblical foundation of why we believe that we believe, why we do what we do, why we don't do some things that we don't do, and just like that. Uh, but since this is the last episode of the year... Dang, already. Dang, we started up in May, and now we're here. That's crazy. Uh, just a few months, you know what I mean? And since Justin's not here, we want him to be uh, part of this ongoing series that we're going to be going on. Uh, talk, just talk, getting into the Word, getting into theology, getting into justification by faith. And that, that's going to lead, once we set that groundwork of uh, the imputed righteousness of Christ, just faith, justification by faith, that's going to lead into other uh, doctrinal stuff. Uh, we're gonna, definitely going to talk about you know other hard topics like can you lose your salvation, uh, and all these other things, we want to get it in. We want to get it in from the scriptures, and we want to we want to have Justin here so he can share his wisdom and his insight. Because that, that, that brother has a lot yeah. of wisdom. <laughs> Blows me away sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for real. Even before we started this podcast, when I met him, I'm like, man, you you're already wise. And him now, now, man, yeah. he's, he's very a so very we, wise man. Yeah, we want to bring him on, uh, but since he's not here, we just thought that we do a gangsta grace series on us. What? Because uh, we come from the calles, we come from the streets, uh, we come from that kind of lifestyle. And uh, yeah, on the foundation episode, if you haven't checked that out, we gave the just a, a quick background of it, but we want to get it in a little bit more detail into some major events that happened in our life 
And when you look back at it, man, God's hand has it, been upon us. That's man. what I was going to say. It was, man, it was all God's, it's all God right there. That's the only way I can explain it. It's the sovereignty yeah. of God. God is sovereign over all, and he, he has had his hand upon us since the beginning. So let's get it in, man. Like, where do we begin? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Um, so if you, if you if you listen to that first episode, you know that we come from the church. We grew up um, in the in the '90s when you know in the Hispanic Pentecostal churches where you know uh, we witnessed <laughs> the, uh, the speaking of tongues. Uh, I'm, I'm putting on my my fingers right now. The, the speaking air quotes. of tongues. <laughs> Uh, uh, the, Slaying the, the, the spirit, spirit yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> all so, that kind of stuff. So, so for some reason, everybody was jumping. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we listened to the classic, you know, Marino, Nena oh, yeah. Leal, those are classics. You know, Marcos Witt, all that kind of stuff. You know, what I mean, uh, for us growing up as Christians, uh, we weren't like the other kids in, in the neighborhood. You know, every everyone's everyone's parents were you know you know were into like corridos and all that kind of music. On Saturday mornings, when we would wake up and it was time to clean, uh, my mom put on alabanzas and, you know, <laughs> marino and all that kind of stuff. So if you're growing up Christian in a Pentecostal church, you know, you know what we're talking about, you know. So we experience it. We come from that kind of background, you know what I mean? And so growing up, we grew up in a very small neighborhood in the city of Huntington Beach. Uh, just one street, just a brown neighborhood. In the middle of a white city, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sounds like we were the only ones, right? It was right like, there. yeah, serious, man. So th- 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 this neighborhood was, you know, it was a dead end street, it was a cul-de-sac, and uh, just puros mexicanos right there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we grew up in typical typical Mexican hood, and um, we were the only Christians there, you know, the only people with, you know, with that kind of background, you know, everyone else, you know, they, they weren't, you know what I mean? And so we were def- definitely uh already set apart from that point you know what i mean yeah when when you think about it like uh even through god just hand just like setting us apart electing us you know what i mean like from the very beginning like we grew up just automatically uh different from everyone else you know so right away with that title christian everybody already looked at us in a different way yeah. everybody already knew because of my dad he was a he was on the shame. Like, damn. He was on the shame. That's what I'd say. You know, this was very different because my dad, uh, he was not afraid at all to share his faith. Like, right where we lived, we had my tias and my tios, my primas, primos, all right there in the same neighborhood. And my dad would evangelize to them. And so my family, you know, being unsaved, you know, they would make fun of him. They would say all kinds of stuff. And he wasn't ashamed, you know, during the holidays or, you know, the summertime when, you know, all, all the familia would come over from, from Riverside, from uh, every, everywhere else. You know, we have family up in, you know, the, the Valle and stuff like that here in California. And they would come down for family gatherings, and my dad would be so unashamed, you know. I mean, we have a lot of cousins. We're Mexican. We have a lot of primos. <laughs> we have a lot of familia that would come over, and my dad just unashamed about everything. And so, you know. I, I, I th- th- I, I'd I say know. I think that, that that led to to us not wanting to have a, being a part of that. Yeah. Because, of course, my dad already had the faith. He already, he, he already knew, knew who Christ is. I, I got to give a shout out to my dad, though, because while we were little kids, he would take us in for a Bible study. Yeah. He'd come straight out of, off of work and teach us the word of God. And so, um, but I think that, that that led up to the point where it's like, we don't want this. As kids, as kids, as kids, as, as kids growing up, you know, you know, all the way up in elementary school, we, we didn't cuss. We didn't say bad words. We didn't listen to the worldly music that they did. You know, we were, we were different. You know, we knew it right away. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when my dad just being so, you know, unashamed like that, and there came a point, you know, going into middle school and stuff like that where you want to be out there, you want to make friends, and, well, Christianity wasn't the cool thing, you know what I mean? I, it wasn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to, I don't want to partake in that. I don't want to be like my dad. I didn't want to be made fun of, because I saw how all my family made fun of him, and so I didn't want to look that, be looked at anymore as that, you know, goody two-shoes kid. So when the homies, you know, started getting into, uh, you know, doing drugs, because we grew up with the same people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the All same the people whole, we see at life. school, we'd see them it's, it's, it's in the a, neighborhood. It's that kind of neighborhood where you, you grow up with people, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so 
they came to a point where like, man, I want their acceptance. You know what I mean? I don't want to be made fun of anymore. And, you know, I have, we have two sisters and, well, they stayed in the church. They didn't really care about that kind of stuff. But, you know, we did. You know what I mean? Yeah, for me, um, yeah, I just, I, even even as a little kid, I felt, I felt something was, was missing. Yeah. And because uh, obviously our dad would teach us about God, but... I mean, there, there, there was something that's like, man, I want something else. Like, something's missing. Yeah. And uh, for me, I, I mean, for, for you, it was like, I didn't want to be the outsider. Thing. Me, I just didn't want to be alone. Yeah. I just I just felt like if I needed to be around people, n- not not so much as, a, like, I don't want to be known as this or that, but it's just I want to be accepted by people. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's one of the reasons why most most people don't want to join the game because they want to feel accepted by yeah. people. They want to have respect by others. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, that's what... That's what led me uh, getting involved with everything. Yeah. Just because I wanted acceptance from other people. Yeah, and me, me. When you talk about the total depravity of man, the tea and the tulip, uh, <laughs> you talk about me, man. You want to talk about total depravity, dude? Look, check this out. This is the kind of kid that I was even growing up in church. Uh, when the hermanas would come and take us to the class, whatever, I would kick them. You know, I would go screaming and and kicking, and I was I, I was always a naturally <laughs> oh, yeah. a naturally rebellious yeah. kid. Like my mom would tell me, "Don't touch that," you know, and I and I would tempt her, I would test her, and get closer to. Her. I was that kind of kid. Well, I'm not touching it. I'm close to it, but I'm not touching it. And and that was the kind of kid I was. So I was naturally just rebellious, you know. And so when it came to that kind of lifestyle, it, it was calling my name because I'm naturally like that. You know what I mean? So. Just growing up and getting into introducing, getting introduced to the whole street life like that, uh, and I, I just grabbed onto it. You know what I mean? I, I, I thought I found my place in life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's where I really felt my my identity growing. Like this is who I am. Like I want people to know that I'm this down vato right here. You know what I mean? Like I'm this I'm this fool that you know. Oh, I wanted I wanted people to say that. I wanted that reputation. You know? Oh, this fool's down. Hey, that, this homie's down. You know, the, I wanted that kind of uh, lifestyle to 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 reflect on me. You know, yeah. So you know, I did things. You know, that I'm looking back, I'm looking back at like, dang, dude, you stupid fool. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, dang, dude, like I could have, oh man, I could have died so many times. I could have gotten into a lot more trouble if God's hand wasn't upon my life even from then. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So even growing up, you... no, I was just say well, while while you were you were doing that, uh, you know, tr- hanging out with these guys, I was, I was out there alone. I was just like, man, I feel, I feel accepted. So um, so I remember that when uh, I was introduced to weed mm-hmm. when I was fourteen years old, and I was just like, what? I I don't I don't see myself doing that. I'm, I'm just like, man, I remember signing up a, a, a drug free. I'm gonna be drug free all the time. Like, man, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, I don't want to do this, you know. Mm-hmm. But then when I saw, then I, I remember that I saw you do. It, I'm like, huh? My brother, my brother does it. Yeah, and then I forced so, you, kind of. So I was, I was just like, okay, uh, this. Uh, Cause I'm that little brother. It's like, okay, I want to be like my big brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. I, uh, me at the age of fourteen, that's when I started um, affiliating with 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 everybody. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted acceptance. You know, I wanted yeah. to be, be around. You know, what's funny in fifth grade on on the dare programs. You remember dare? Yeah. <laughs> I, I won the essay thing where we where we write a whole essay on how we're not gonna do drugs. And uh, it was was me and another homie from the neighborhood. (laughs) And we got a medal and everything. And we read our our essay in front of the whole, you know, class and stuff in the assembly. And then a couple years later, oh, man. A couple years later? We were running from the cops (laughs) and, and, you know, doing all these drugs and stuff like that. But uh, that played a big role. The drugs played a big role. Yeah, yeah. You know, because from the moment that we got introduced to it, or at least for me... Um, I didn't stop, you know what I mean? Um, I started probably like around 13 years old, and it was just a thing to do. So that played a part later on in life. Yeah. You know, that was just the introduction, you know, because later on from 13, 14, 15, 16, man, we were just, by the time I was 16, I was used to just getting high every day. It was just already a normal thing. And we we always hear like, ah, you know, I can't get addicted to weed or nothing. Well, try stopping. If you're out there and you're listening to this and, and, and you smoke weed, 
And if you don't think you're addicted, try stopping for one day. See how that you are addicted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, they say it's a, it's a gateway drug. Yeah, it really that, is. At least, at least to, to other really things. Is. And it wasn't until, actually, my pastor, Pastor Santos, when I first started visiting his church, where he told me, like, you know what, bro? You're addicted. And I never thought about it like that. And that was definitely uh, a game changer because then that's when I really started calling out to the Lord, like, oh, man, I think I am, you know? So what do I do? Mm-hmm. You know? So, but anyways, but before that, you know, just, oh, we're getting deep. We're getting deep in, into the things of the neighborhood. And I thought that was my life, you know what I mean? I thought things were never going to change. I think, you know, I always thought, you know, this is it. This is how the rest of my life is going to be. And so, you know, we had good times. We're not going to lie. We had some good times. Yeah, we are. We had some good times in the neighborhood. There's a lot of memories that we can look back at and just laugh and just, you know, think about the good times. But there came a point where everything changed, where everything changed. Yeah, I'd, I'd say for me, uh, I mean, of course, you know, 14, getting into drugs and then getting jumped into the gang. And, and it was just, a, it was kind of like a party life. It, it's, yeah. It, what what was irregular? It seemed normal. Yeah. Retaliations, getting into fights. Yeah. Uh, you know, Always getting into drugs. Having your guard up. Having yeah. your guard up. Uh, man, that that was just life. But then, that moment that at least for me, what changed me was a uh, Halloween. Um, uh, oh no, not Halloween. On October of two thousand seven. Yeah. When I was seventeen. Uh, you know, I was I was out there in the neighborhood, just like okay, it's a regular day. I'm I'm getting high, and you know whatever. Yeah. And so um, the things the things that happen that it, it all it all comes at you. Yeah. The the things that you get involved in, the things that you get caught up in, eventually it will it'll, it'll get you. Yeah. So I was outside in the neighborhood. Um, you know, there was there was some some. It was a dead night. It was a dead, it night. Was a dead night. There was nobody out. I mean, there was nobody out. And all, you know we're getting high, and all of a sudden, you know the I just remember uh, two enemies just coming. Yeah, I re- I remember the, uh, them having you know uh, bandanas and, yeah. and baseball caps or whatever, and uh, they were they were they were coming, and so so I was like, all right, some, something's about to happen. Yeah, but that one night, I don't I don't have my blade with me. Yeah, to make a long story short, because I don't want to get too much into detail about anything, but. I, I did ended up getting stabbed that night. Yeah, I mean, and I will say I will say, was, yeah, I, I, I will say this: it, it, it was crazy how everything just came together. Because uh, 2007 is a year that I met who you know my wife. Uh, we just you know back then we just boyfriend and girlfriend. We're just chilling, and she just dropped me off at the house, and we just saw you walking, and like told her, oh drop me off right here. So you were just barely going, mm-hmm. and you were meeting up with with two other homies, and so I'm like oh just drop me off here, and then she takes off. And so we're just chilling, and then when that happened, these two vatos ran away. Yeah, that that's when that's when uh, I mean obviously I know that those these out of everybody, it's like there's there's this handful of homies that you can actually trust yeah. and say these are your homies. And these fools weren't. And homies, these guys, you know, you know weren't weren't yeah, the homies. Yeah. And that's that's the lie that 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 the gang life has, that you think you know that everybody always has your back, but when stuff really goes down. There's always gonna be those who's that are gonna leave you hanging. You know what I mean? So if you're, you know, in your teenage years or you're, you know, living that kind of lifestyle right now, uh, just know that everybody doesn't have your back. You know, when things go down, uh, true colors always, you know, come out, and it's not. You can't trust those kind of people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that night, the only one that had my back was obviously my brother because yeah. he was right there, and you know, I know he wasn't gonna let me leave me hanging. Yeah. But yeah, you find out who you, who you're. Who's real, you know, and who's not. And obviously, you know, growing up in the game life or in the neighborhood, you feel like these guys are your family, but really they're not. Yeah, no, they're, they're going to book it when things go down, you know what I mean? And how real can you be in a life that's fake? You know what I mean? Like, think about it. The whole gang life, it's a fake life. Yeah. You're reaching for a respect that you're never really going to have from everybody. You're reaching for something that's never going to fill your soul. And you're just reaching at the wind, you know what I mean? It's it's a it's an illusion, you know. There's a lot of people, a lot of Hispanics dying for some letters on the wall, you know what I mean? And it's not worth it, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's when everything started to get real, you know what I mean? So yeah. we went through that experience, and so that's when everything switched, and so the, you know the beef started getting 
deeper and harder to the point where we we weren't just throwing blows anymore. We weren't just fighting with our fists anymore. Now it got real. Yeah. And so you're, if you're living that kind of lifestyle today, it's going to come to that point. You know what I mean? It may be all fun and games in the beginning. It might feel cool. Like, you know, you're the firme vato over here, but there's going to be a time where, you know, it's, it's going to get dangerous. It's going to get real dangerous and not everybody survives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, um, I mean, I just want to talk a little bit of my experience with, with yeah. the whole stabbing because a lot of people, I mean, people, not people, just, uh, just, uh, Bathos in general, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll just they'll just be like, yeah, I took this, I took that, I got stabbed, I got shot, and I'm still standing. But they don't tell you about the effects that you feel afterwards. Yeah. And I, I just want to share a little bit about that because, I mean, you may think that you know they're hard and everything, but honestly, I got traumatized. Yeah, I, I wasn't comfortable uh, in the living in the neighborhood anymore. Yeah. I wasn't comfortable with the lights off. Mm-hmm. I always felt like like if someone's gonna come at me, yeah. or so, I always had to be watching my back, and, and it just—I remember it just traumatizing me. Yeah, it, it, it was it was a crazy experience that, I mean, always watch watching your back every every single moment. Yeah, and every noise that you hear. I mean, I got stabbed in the back, and I didn't realize this, but um, once I got stabbed, I couldn't move anything. Yeah, I couldn't bend over. If I dropped something, I couldn't walk. The doctors told me uh, don't take a shower because it, it's a it's an open wound, so, so so don't do this, don't do that. I was I was putting a lot of restrictions. Yeah, and so I mean, because for for me, right, I said that that I felt lonely, so I want to feel acceptance, and so even in that moment, that's when I felt the mo- most alone. Yeah, man, the homies don't have my back. Yeah, this trauma's getting to me, and I'm just like, yeah. man, everything was just getting to me. Yeah, and so. Uh, that led to 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 uh, uh, another moment that changed our lives. A couple of months later, actually. So yeah, then a few months later, after that, in two thousand eight, in January of two thousand eight, uh, everything switched up. You know what I mean? Uh, things got really real. Um, in January nineteenth, two thousand eight, uh, we had a homie that got shot and killed and left on the street. Uh, this this homie, he you know. We grew up with him. It was he's one. He was really one of those dudes that you would point at and be like, you know, this this, this is about those feet, man. You know what I mean? This about you know, in the neighborhood words, this about those down. You know what I mean? He's he's one of those what you what you would call a man's man. Yeah, no, he he, he, was, yeah. he was yeah. He he was liked uh, by everybody in the neighborhood, and, and it's crazy how it was him when you when you look back. You know, just you know, mm-hmm. the whole neighborhood really respected this dude. He had everyone's respect. And everybody says that the good die young. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, but we know biblically there's none good, no, no, not one. But that's a street term yeah. that, you know, that people use as saying, you know, uh, the people that are most liked are always the ones that get taken out. You know what I mean? And so uh, this, this homie, um, I don't want to go into too much detail about it because I don't know, you know, who's listening or what. <laughs> but oh, man. just know uh, this homie, he... he um, you know, God sovereignly removed that removed us from that situation. If you look back, yeah. you know, uh, we were supposed to be there in that in that situation. Uh, more than likely, if we were, we were there that night, it could have been one of us. Because yeah, it's true. If God didn't move on our behalf, we I know we would have been right there. You know what I mean? We would have. And um, so you know, the homie got shot and killed. And here, here's the crazy thing. Check this out, because this this is what led up to kind of my conversion. That was in 2008. And so, um, from what I was told, uh, he was you know with a group of homies. You know they got shot at, and the homie ran up to him. And, you know, everyone dispersed, you know what I mean? Everyone left, you know what I mean? They, they just left them, so he, the homie got hit. And um, he was left in the middle of the street and uh, gasping for breath. And um, one of the homies, you know, saw him, flipped him over to the side <coughs> and saw that he was looking up at something, gasping for breath. So he heard the ambulance or the, the sirens from the cops, and so he ran away. Left the homie breathing, you know, gasping for breath as he's dying. 
And that's how the, I thought the story ended. You know what I mean? And I remember my dad will always <coughs> come out, come out to to preach to me and the homies. If you yeah. remember that, we we always chill in front of my pad. You know, and my dad will come out, and um, he will start preaching to me and all the homies about Jesus. You know, being unashamed, and uh, the homie he would ask questions sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think my dad played a role or planted a seed in him, you know. But a few years later, you know, I always go to that spot and put some candles and, um, you know, just in, in, in memory of him. And just, you know, <clears throat> think about what had happened, you know what I mean? And so from 2008 all the way up to 2012, I would do that. On the day that he passed away. And then one day, I see another homie. And it's at midnight, because I always go at midnight, because that's when it happened. And then uh, I seen another homie right there, and, and, he, and I'm just talking to him. And I'm not saved at this point. I'm still not saved. But I moved out, and, you know, kind of everybody kind of went to do their own thing. And then um, he told me, hey, did you hear about the letter that someone left here last year? I was like, what letter? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, someone last year, an anonymous person, left a letter right here. And he showed me a picture of it because he kept, he, you know, it was just written on a piece of cardboard and just left it right there. And so he showed it, he showed it to me, and this is what it said. I passed these candles, I remember that night, and it's cut off on the side. I think it meant to say, I'm sorry. And he was too young, perhaps knowing this will ease your pain. He didn't die alone. I stayed with him until the police paramedics arrived. More importantly, he didn't suffer. The Lord took him home quietly without pain. I hope knowing this helps. God bless. And he told me that because every, every year on the anniversary, people always put flowers or whatever right there. And I read, he, I saw this and I just automatically started to cry and tear up. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, now you got to remember as the story goes from what we were told. Uh, that that one of the homies stayed with him until he heard the sirens. And then he left. And then he left. And my homie was still gasping for breath. So something happened within, I don't know if it's minutes or seconds. Yeah. Because after, after, after one of the homies left, uh, something happened right there. Somebody came. Something happened. Came up to him while he's gasping for breath in the middle uh, of the street. And the letter says that until the police and paramedics came. And this person, this anonymous person who I still don't know to this day, I would love to meet that person. You know what I mean? Um, stayed with him and prayed. And this letter says that the Lord took him home quietly. Wait, and he, and he didn't suffer. So I honestly believe that my homie was able to reach salvation. You know, we, uh, I don't, you know, people have different stance on deathbed confessions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, we have the example of the thief on the cross. He lived a life uh, full of, you know, murder, uh, a rebellious life. Obviously, he was crucified because he did something bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's known as a thief on the cross. Uh, he was condemned to the same torture that Jesus was condemned. But while he's on that cross, he tells Jesus to remember him. He believed in those final moments of his life. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus told him, you know, today you will be with me in paradise. And so can it happen? I think so. I believe so. I believe so. And, uh, and I believe this letter is very powerful uh, because my whole life, as my dad has taught me growing up in the church, there's two realities. There's heaven and there's hell. And, you know, in, in that kind of lifestyle, uh, all of a sudden everybody goes to heaven. You know what I mean? You can be a cholo. You can be a mafioso. You can do the worst things in your life. But if you have respect from other people, 
every, automatically you're in heaven. You know, people get the, people get it tatted. R.I.P. When if somebody dies, whether it's a celebrity, whether it's an actor, whether it's your homie, whether it's your tia, no matter what kind of lifestyle that they lived, they could be a total rebel against God. It can be an atheist, but people always say, "Rest in peace. He's in a better place." So the way that we were brought up, hey, there's two realities. There's heaven and there's hell. And people that, that don't receive Jesus, they go to hell. So in my mind, that's that's part that's a lot of the pain that I went through. I was like, man, uh this homie, he's in hell. You know? That's what I thought. Man, that's hard. You know? My homie is in hell. And that's how uh, I always looked at it in my mind, but obviously I'm not going to be telling that to, to the homies. But that's what I thought, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. And that was part of my pain. And that's when I really started to think, you know, of the realities of the life that I'm living. Man, this life is going to kill me one day. But I was already addicted to drugs, and I couldn't just let go. Even if I, I stopped doing all, all that gangbang stuff, I was that, that drug addiction was with me. So what the gang lifestyle will leave you is a heart full of pain and an addiction. Always. Yeah. If you, if you survive, if you survive, if you, if you don't get shot and killed, if you don't get, end up doing life in prison, what it's going to leave you is going to leave you with an addiction and a heart full of pain. Yeah, that's true. That's what that kind of lifestyle gives you. Yeah, I mean, while, while this, this whole thing was happening, um, I remember me, uh, you know, obviously, you know, getting stabbed and everything, I was already traumatized and by mm-hmm. like the big man or whatever. But I mean, I was going through some personal stuff, and you know, just everything coming, coming, coming at you. You know, uh, we even had a, a one of our homies that that committed suicide. Yeah. So that 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 kind of kind of like a man, you know. Yeah. That that, that man. In the same that, year within the within, within the same year months, with yeah. a couple months. Yeah. I, I mean, man. And so. Yeah. When you start to hear people dying and passing away, you you start to question the realities. Yeah, a couple of months later, you know that that uh, that homie uh, passed away. Uh, I didn't believe it at first when I heard about it. Yeah. I was just like, man, no, I don't believe it. It's not yeah. true. You know, I'm gonna see him, but then reality hits you once you enter that funeral. Yeah, I remember that's what what hit me and and I mean to see him in the just in the see him in a casket. It was an open casket and. Man, when you see uh, someone that you that you see every single day, someone that you know, someone that you have a lot of respect for, and then you see their lifeless body right there, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, when I walk into the film, I'm like, I'm not believing, I'm not believing it. But then once I saw saw him in the casket, that uh, that just made me tear up like crazy. Yeah. And that made me question life. Yeah. Like, it got to the point where, man. I was I got really depressed. Yeah. Like really like I'm not I'm not even lying like it, it depressed and I I thought I could um oh, what's the word I'm looking for suppress suppress it. it. Yeah. I was depressed and I got, thought I could suppress it just by getting into more into drugs. So I was heavily getting into drugs. If it wasn't weed, I had to I had to, I had to I had to get drunk. If I couldn't get drunk, I had to be on, on a crack or cocaine or some. Yeah. I, I just know that I needed to be on something every day because once I was without it, it's literally me looking out the window and just staring out the window. And I had no hope. I, and I had nothing. Yeah. It got to, I always like to share this with my testimony, but it's, it's like that moment in Scarface. Yeah. When, when, when he already has everything and, and it's kind of like he's going, is this it? Yeah. Is this life? Yeah. I wake up and I do this. So that was me. I was like, "Is this life?" Yeah. I wake up. I get high. I, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm either gonna kill somebody, uh, I'm gonna be killed or end up in prison, or I'm gonna kill myself because I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Part. I'm uh, depressed, man. My pain, and I'm gonna be real right now. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm gonna be real. After that, you know what's naturally happens in, in the gangs. You look for retaliation. Retaliation, yeah. You know what I mean? That's when the war begins. And in reality, this whole character that I was putting on, you know, I'm this hard, hard fool, and you know, I'm down for the neighborhood. And, and I was, we were faced with, I was faced within myself a choice. <laughs> am, am, am I really gonna retaliate? Am I gonna go and kill my, kill someone, in retaliation, and you know, risk killing, getting killed myself? Or end up doing life in prison. And I came to the conclusion in my head, you know, 
I, I would never admit it to any of the homies, but I'll say it now. Like, I'm a Christian. I've been redeemed. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. God's already saved me. So I, I can say this now. You know what I mean? But back then it was hard. But I came to that conclusion. I'm, I'm not going to do anything. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go kill anybody. So putting up that front, now you realize with yourself, man, I've been fronting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not this hard fool. I'm not gonna go retaliate and go kill somebody, and go to prison. You know what I mean? I already been locked up by this point. I only been to the county, but I was like, I ain't, I ain't trying to go to prison. You know what I mean? And that, that was part of my pain, seeing myself, man. I'm not as down as I thought I was. You know what I mean? I'm not. Yeah. I'm not this hard fool that I thought I was. So I started doing more drugs and trying to suppress all that pain. You know, thinking to myself, faking, fronting to myself. Telling myself, yeah, I'm still, I'm still down though for the neighborhood though, you know, I'm still down, I'm still this hard fool, but it was just a, a front, and all that just leads up to more pain, you know, because I'm always real with myself, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's something about me. I'm gonna be real with myself, you know what I mean? And I knew I wasn't gonna do nothing, so that led to more addiction, trying to suppress that feeling, of like being stuck, you know, they got us, you know, they won, you know? Yeah. And so I started, you know, tweaking it, you know, started getting more to meth, you know. And so, if you, and, you know, just uh, to the point where we got saved, it's uh, in the foundation episode, you know, if you guys want to go check that out, you know, just that whole process of how I got saved. Because I got, I, I could say it was a supernatural salvation. I didn't get mm-hmm. saved, you know, like anybody else. I didn't just repeat a prayer and and, and confess Jesus into my heart or nothing like that. No, you know it, I mean? it got real. I mean, it got real. I, I got I went through some real demonic experiences, and I you know, the way I got saved, I got really I got really saved. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to, if you want more details on that, look at episode one, the foundation episode, and where I go into detail on on how I got saved. But that was in 2012 when I saw this letter. And so I got saved a year later in 2013. And me, um, I mean, obviously I go to the episode one and, and yeah. you'll find out uh, more. Uh, but me, I, I got saved in 2010. Yeah. Actually, December of 2010, which makes around this time nine years exactly. What? On how, you know, saved in the Lord. That's crazy. Nine years. Going into 2020 now. Hey? Yeah, going into 2020 now because, uh, I mean, Ten man, years in the Lord. Ten huh? years, basically. That's crazy. Yeah. I got saved March 4th, 2013. I'll never forget that day. You know what I mean? That's when the Lord took away everything. I was born again. Amen. Redemption. Amen, Redemption. Man. And just looking back on, on everything that took place and now just where the Lord has brought us, I still trip out. You know what I mean? I still trip out like, man, God, you're so good and you're so merciful. When When I found out that I seen this letter. I remember I came home and I was I was I was. Oh drunk. man! And I I was I had tears <laughs> in my eyes. Oh man! And I, I just started hugging my brother and and my wife who was still my girlfriend at the, at that time. And I was like, he's okay, he's okay. All right, check this out, guys. <laughs> I I was I was crashed out, right? Like I was already I'm I'm staying in the Lord, so I'm like, ah, right, whatever, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. I see my brother coming in all like stumbling, stumbling. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I'm like, what? What's okay? What happened? It's okay. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. I can like, I can finally let go. But like, he's grabbing me on my shirt, he's like, <laughs> and I can smell the breath. I'm like, dude, you're what, swerving. You're dude. swearing. What are you talking about? He's like, I, you don't understand. I can finally let go. And he kind of walks out like, kind of like all like stumbling. And I'm like, what was that all about, man? <laughs> I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> what do you mean you can finally let go and it's okay? Uh, that, that, hey, this fool's tripping. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, the, the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. And that, that's when I knew, like, man, God, he saves. And, he, and he, he, he's done a work. And that's when I realized, man, God has his hand upon us. Amen. You know? Amen. Like, he really does. And, and it tripped me out, but I was still dealing with his addiction. You know, so uh, a year later, I got saved. You know what I mean? And that was in January of 2012. I got saved in March of 2013. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And by this time, when I got saved, I, I, my 
my daughter Amy, she was barely born. She was barely a month. So I already had two kids. I already, she was the third one. You know what I mean? And and that's when I, you know, started getting into the word, you know, getting into the word. And then, you know, a year later, my, my youngest son, Isaac, was born in 2014. But trip out. I was going through some old stuff. And I, and I saw something that was, that one of my notes that I was written from, you know, studying the word. And God, not only did he keep his hand upon me throughout the whole time, but continue to, because so easily I could have been introduced to some, you know, false doctrine or some false theology. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I remember, you know, you know, I was working and then um, some my coworker he would always listen to Joel Osteen in Spanish, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and man. listen to Joyce Meyer in, in Spanish, and I would listen to him. Oh, that's pretty good stuff. You know what I mean? They, I like the way they talk. You know, I I liked it. You know what I mean? Oh Lord, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. So then one one time, one day, you know, I told you know my family, you know, um, oh, I listened to this dude, and they're like, what? That dude's, that dude's fake. What are you talking about? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And that was the only experience I had with that kind of teaching. And so uh, uh, I looked at one of my notes, and now I'm studying about propitiation. I'm studying about justification by faith. And I have some things that I was reading. I was like, dang, God continued to have his hand upon me in, in sound doctrine, you know, afterwards. You know, he didn't let me, you know, go straight to some funky, weird stuff, you know? Yeah. God kept his hand upon me theologically, you know what I mean, from the beginning. Because right away, you know, uh, after, uh, you know, a year I, I got saved, I went through this little lukewarm, lukewarm stage, and I started questioning, you know what I mean? What is the cross about? What is this cross about? Well, what does it mean that we're saved? What is all that? I started getting into it and, and studying the word. And so I started looking up these things, words like propitiation, justification, you know, all these kind of terms. And I started, you know, listening to sound teachers and getting sound stuff to the point where I was like, man, I ain't, I ain't never looking back. And then I, I look at, you know, my Christian life from that, from that point on, beginning, like, dang, I, I was getting into the word and some real stuff at a, like, early in my walk. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Lord had to mature me, had to, you know, you know, teach me, you know, real, you know, keep me humble and things like that. But God has had his, has had his hand upon us, even, you know, me theologically, you know, from the beginning of my walk, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I thank God for that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I want to explain a little bit of my background of how, um, that transitional, after that transition, after oh, that, yeah, after yeah. that, you know, whole from game, redeem, and, uh, the perfect way I can say is Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, yeah. if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things that have become new. Yeah. That, that was me right there. So, uh, before I came to our church right now, Streetlight Church, uh, man, I was on my own for a year and a half. So yeah. I, I was basically reading and praying every time I got read and pray, read and pray, read and pray. And then uh, you know, after a year and a half, I'm just like, Lord, I need, I need a church. It's the only way I'm gonna be able to yeah. grow. And so I prayed, and a um, couple couple weeks later, that's when when God answered, and I just got this this yellow flyer, Streetlight Church. <laughs> uh, uh, they did a food ministry, and, and I went over there to get some free food. <laughs> and I got the, the flyer, but anyways, coming coming to to, to Streetlight Church, uh, man, I, I remember all I wanted to do was, was serve God. Like I know how it was like serving the world and serving the games. Now my my mentality is I just want to serve God. So when I came in, into church, I, I I wasn't looking for for a position. I wasn't looking to you know man. I was just like I want I want to I want just want to serve God. Yeah. I don't care if I scrub a toilet. I don't care. If I, let me serve. Let me do this. And so I remember a couple uh, two weeks later after coming into this church, I got into ministry right away. Started off with usher ministry. Um, Six months later, I'm part of the leadership, yeah. and you know while you're going through through those things that you were talking yeah. about, I was I was getting taught up in ministry wise. Yeah, uh, you know, shout out to Pastor Santos because he took his time. With, he took he took his time with me, and so um, 
in, in July of 2015, that's when uh, I got ordained as an assistant pastor. Amen. You know, I was just serving. I wasn't looking for a title. I wasn't looking to take anybody's position or whatever. But it's just God had raised me up to, to become the assistant pastor yeah. of, of, of Streetlight Church. And so I remember me just, uh, you, know, you know, preaching behind the pulpit. And I got to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, I mean, looking back, I'm just like, I don't know what I was preaching. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking back. I'm, I'm thinking back to my preachings. I'm I just know, like, man. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, of course, I, you, you have those those preachings where it's just like, well, okay, I'm just trying to, yeah. But then it got to a point where where it's like, okay, what next? What next? What next? And it got to the point where kind of um, me, I, I I kind of, it's like kind of taking away the spotlight from God. Yeah. Like I wanted, I wanted, I wanted people to he, he, people to say afterwards, like, man, he knows he knows how to preach. Yeah. Oh man, he was so good. Yeah. And all oh, this really did this, but I think that's why the preaching sucked. Because <laughs> I, I was trying, I was, I was trying to, in a way, uh, win the people. Yeah. I mean, right now my mentality is to to just like he told Peter, feed feed my sheep. Yeah. I mean. My heart right now for, for the church is to teach, to disciple, to feed. But I, I remember I was at the point where I was like, man, I don't even know what I'm doing. And uh, I remember uh, Pastor Santos coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, because we're part of this team. Yeah. He's like, let's start preaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Yeah. Let's start doing this. So Ex- I was like, all right. Exegesis. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, so that that's what got – I started with the book of Ephesians. Mm-hmm. So I started going verse by verse. Uh, got, got my um, – I got some commentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, McGee. Oh, Vernon McGee. Vernon McGee. Yeah. That, that's what I started off with. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, okay. By the time I got to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, uh-huh. it opened my eyes to the war, to mm-hmm. the spiritual war, yeah. to, to you know the devil coming in and, and false doctrines and this and mm-hmm. that. So that's what caused me to get more into like, man, I want to know what I'm teaching. I know I want to know foundations i, I want to know all of these things and i remember that at that time also you were you were you were starting to get into these too yeah and so you and so it's kind of like uh well you you helped me actually to to learn more of the, these these things <laughs> in a way because because you, you were sharing this sharing that and that got me kind of thinking and then yeah. and it got to the point where now it's like man my library my library yeah. <laughs> I recommend the John MacArthur Study Bible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if you look at the, the artwork that we did for the last episode, the Theology Matters, uh, those are our books that we actually have and we actually read. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I remember my first Bible was a Quest Study Bible, the NIV one. NIV. <laughs> Man, I love that one so much because I was highlighting everything, even scriptures. Yeah. I don't even know I was highlighting. Yeah, I was just yeah, like doing yeah, everything. Yeah. I remember. I remember actually. Uh, I don't know how it happened, but I lost that Bible. I felt down. I was like, God man, sovereign overall, dude. I don't know why. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> it's like there's a personal relationship with you in the physical Bible. I'm just like, man. <laughs> but I remember going, going to to the store and and I was picking up a, a new Bible. I'm just like, I, got, I saw the quest. I, like, I got it. I'm like, it doesn't feel right though. Yeah. So then I got into New King James Thompson Thompson Bible. Yeah. It's just referencing the Bible. I mean, it got to a point where now I'm reading a New American Standard Bible and John MacArthur, but. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a heart now why it's like theology matters because now again my heart is to to disciple, to teach, to yeah. feed, and Streetlight Church ain't the only church. We're a yeah. body, so I mean, I'm thankful that God put it in your heart to 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 do this podcast and to that's, edify that, the church. And you know? that, that's my heart because uh, Chicano and Hispanic churches, uh, when, when I see today. Uh, there, there is a lack of theology, you know what I mean? And there is a lack of, of sound teaching, you know, hitting the real scriptures, going verse by verse, doing expository preaching. It's usually topical, and usually it's one or two verses, you know, out of, out of the whole preaching. It's, you're basically only referencing just one or two scriptures and not really getting the context or the meaning behind it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're inserting uh, your preaching into the Bible, or you're just using these verses to back up what you want to say. And I say that a lot in Hispanic churches. You know what I mean? And I've said this before. And there's a lot of homies that come from the gang lifestyle, 
and then enter these kind of churches, but you don't actually see no real growth. Yeah. I mean, we see a lot of a lot of who's still talking the same, dressing the same, still kind of being proud of where they came from, being proud that they come from that kind of lifestyle. That's nothing to be proud of. And look, I had my own struggles too. You know what I mean? Uh, I think one of the hardest struggles for me was was changing the way I dressed and the way that I thought from gangs to grace. You know what I mean? Yeah. From 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 you know representing yourself like yeah you know I wear my high socks my Nike Cortezes and I wear my Dickies and all that kind of stuff and to me that's the hardest the transition from a gang lifestyle to a Christian lifestyle. I remember struggling with that a lot, you know what I mean? Uh, just like I still wanted a sense to be, be to look like I was down, you know what I mean? But being a Christian, you know what I mean? And so that that was a hard struggle for me, just to to that transition, you know. And I've I made an I've made a, an active, you know, decision to be like, you know what? I'm probably not gonna get this kind of clothing because it makes me look like a cholo. Yeah. I mean, even though in reality, I, I, I you know, I like it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the, the Chicano culture. It's the Chicano uh, it's culture, the, you know. It's I mean? not really it's the attractive. cholo or the gangster. It's, it's that Chicano culture. Yeah. Like the lowrider hat. I like wearing lowrider hat. Yeah. I'm like there's honest. still some things where honest. you know, it's just a Chicano culture. It's not, but gang, that like gang attire is kind of embedded into Chicano culture in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It is. You know, there's Christian car shows. There's Christian car clubs. You know that that. They're Christian, you know, they, they're still like, you know, there's Christian Chicano rap out there, you know what I mean? And I like it, you second know what I mean? Chance. You know, shout out to shout all Second the- Chance. <laughs> second Chance, NC Boulevard, you know what I mean? Uh, I like that kind of music still, you know what I mean? I still bump it. And you know, it's that oldies, funk kind of, you know, remix and, you know, oldie singing, you know, Christian style music, you know, that I still like, you know what I mean? But... There, there, there's a way where you you can adapt to it, and and still like like it, but not be embedded into you know the the gang kind of culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we don't want to represent, you know, that kind of lifestyle. The whole point of us even doing this episode is to let let people know that that lifestyle is gonna leave you dead, spiritually dead. It's gonna send you to hell. It's gonna really leave you in a very bad place and we're here to testify this is what god has done in our lives maybe our story is not the craziest story in the world you know what I mean? maybe as you're hearing this be like well uh, these fools don't really have a crazy story it was crazy for us going through it oh yeah you know what i mean there there's been times where we could have died but we're here just to testify hey we've gone through that lifestyle we we've gone you know we've been in the streets we've dealt with drugs we've done we've dealt with shootings and killings and stabbings and all these prison you know i've written to homies in prison i received letters from homies in prison i got homies that are still in prison right now you know like it's it's not the kind of lifestyle that is to be glorified no it's and the not. reason why we even do these gangster gray series is so that you know you know God willing, someone, God, God allows someone to, to listen to these kind of episodes and change their mentality or get them thinking a certain way and, and away from this kind of, kind of lifestyle, away from the gangs, away from the streets. And these are real stories, you know, that people have. And, but we're testifying that God has delivered us. That's the message. We want to testify that Jesus Christ has set us free, that, that sacrifice on the cross, uh, it's powerful. The blood of Jesus has washed away our sins. And we Man. no longer think like that. We never, no longer act like that. We n- are no longer affiliated with that kind of lifestyle. You know, well, the first episode we did with Pastor Santos, you know, hard stuff. He, you know, <laughs> that's what he was able to share. You know what I mean? And, you know, the, 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 the other episode with Pastor Bernito did 31 years in prison. You know what I mean? That's he got crazy. out and he's a pastor. You know, the episode three with Pastor Gabriel Nieves, man, he went through some crazy, crazy stuff. You know, and those stories are probably crazier than ours, but you know what? We're here to still testify that, that God, if God can so redeem sinners like us, he can do it for the person that's listening right now that may be stuck in that kind of lifestyle. You know? 
Yeah, there's there's nothing impossible uh, with God, and we're we're living testimonies of that. Because yeah. um, man, I just remember being. It was like if I was locked up, chained up. I I can remember that, but it's like man, waking up that morning that that you know I was redeemed. I gave my life to God and. And you know that mo- I remember waking up that morning. I just, I just felt free. That morning, huh? That first uh, prayer, that first, that first yeah. worship, that that first joy that you receive from being delivered from the gang lifestyle, from being delivered from your sin, is man, it's powerful. It's powerful, yeah. yeah. And, and and I mean now, you know, every every morning I wake up, it's just it's just the Bible says that His mercies are new every morning. Yeah. And sometimes even I'm, I'm I'm like God I don't deserve this yeah man I don't deserve the things that I have I don't deserve anything I don't even deserve salvation but but thank you for for your mercy and for your grace because I mean gro- I mean just growing in the Lord here's one thing growing in the Lord and and, uh, and uh, you know studying the Word of God you kind of find out what a wretched man I am. Oh, wretched man. Oh, right. Like I Paul. I, Serious, I, 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 I Like Paul, you know, the good things that I want to do, I don't do. And the yeah. things I don't want to do, I end up doing. It's like, you know, it, there's, there's, a, there's a struggle going on. Yeah. And then Romans chapter 8, I always refer to this one. Read Romans chapter 8. It's going <laughs> to encourage you. Yeah. Because I always say this. It's it's not, you know, when, when it talks about, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I mean, yeah, in one sense, it's my love for him. But more, most important is his love for me as a child of God. Yeah. Because that's the new identity that we have. Yeah. And our identity is not, you know, that, that drug addict, that yeah. game banger, that, I mean, I, I would consider myself back in the day the, na- the neighborhood drunk. <laughs> like I was, I was, I was the one getting drunk all the time. But it's like now that's not me anymore. That's yeah. not my identity. I belong in the household of God. Yeah. And you know, adoption and all these things that we're going to be getting into. Yeah. But I mean, once you find out th- all these things, how good God is, and how sinful we are. Yeah, man. That's on the real, man. That's, like, know, man. I, I definitely, I definitely feel that because like. The way I see my kids and my wife, and now, you know, we got our own place, and, like, man, God, you continue to be so good to me, and I face that struggle all all the day, you know what I mean, like, to train my children up in the way that they should go, so that they depart now when they get older, and to love my wife as Christ loved the church, that's my purpose in life. That's my goal in life to to do that, and then I recognize my failure. Like man, uh, I'm not doing the best that I should, but yet God always re- reminds me through my family. Like God is still working in us. God is still removing things. God is still renewing things. God is still, uh, you know, maturing us, humbling us. To you know, to be that man of God, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. This isn't it. We're, God's not done with us yet. You know what I mean. There's there's a, there's a bunch of things that you know that we can testify what the Lord has done even afterwards. You know what I mean. Yeah. How God is a provider. You know, because being in in, in in the gang lifestyle, I'm not. We're not used to working, having a job, getting a career, keeping a job, keeping a job. <laughs> yeah, you know, we didn't care about anything. You know, and and we were just used to whatever. You know, getting money. You know, the legal way or whatever. But now being a responsible adult, you know, keeping a job. You know, teaching your kids rightly. You know, don't don't do this, don't do that. You know, reminds of Ephesians how it says. Uh, those who stole must still no longer, yeah. but rather work with your hands. Exactly, having something to share with those in need. Exactly, that, that's that's man. You know? That's dude. And just the way God has always provided for us, God has always kept us and been there for us. Even you know, because I I met my wife, you know, in, in that kind of lifestyle on the streets, and becoming a Christian couple, we face a, a lot of struggles. You know what I mean? Coming from the streets to to a marriage life. You know, all that struggles that come in between. Yeah. You know what I mean? And God is still working in us, and God is still renewing, you know, my marriage and my relationship with my kids. You know? as, you're, as you're talking about that, you know, uh, being in the marriage and everything, I think I think I should I should respond to to the, one of those emails that we got. How, how he said, oh, we should oh, yeah. do an episode about singleness as a single man. Hey, 
<laughs> it's Shout a gift from God. Shout out to all the single men <laughs> keeping it godly, being pure in a wicked world. Shout out to you. Hey, all even right. that, being I, pure, coming from the lifestyle, you're unpure. You want to go sleep around or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean. Preaching purity? Dang. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, in response to that email, I mean, I, you talking about a single guy and a, and a godly yeah. man? I, I, I got a bunch of stories. Dude. I got a bunch of stuff that I can teach from the word of God because, I mean, just a side note, I, be, uh, I forget if it's first or second, I think it's first Corinthians chapter seven. How Paul says, hey, oh, yeah. your singleness is mm-hmm. a gift. Yeah. So I, I'm here to tell you that, you know, I'm not taking that away from you. Being married, that's your thing. I mean, I mean, but don't be, don't be discouraged because if you're a single man right now listening <laughs> to this, it is a gift from God and you have more than enough time to serve the Lord and get involved without asking permission. <laughs> We'll get we'll get more involved with, with the single lifestyle <laughs> as a godly man. The Bible says that you who are married, you know, keep acting like you're single. That's what Paul says. Hey, Paul, hey, Paul <laughs> says I want to spare you trouble. Don't get married. <laughs> Don't get married. <laughs> Dang. We'll, we'll, we'll do an episode soon. <laughs> but yeah, man, just the goodness of God, man, that He continues just to bless us and be with us day by day, man. And like, man. It's crazy just how God works in one's life and the way, how how he can, you know, renew someone and make someone be born again and be transformed. You know what I mean? Like, it's, man, praise God. Praise God for the sacrifice on the cross, man. Praise Amen. God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get to know him. Get to know the word. Get to know why you believe what you believe. Get to know the results and the effect of your faith. And it, we have a sound faith that it, it's not illogical, that it's not just... You know some crazy faith it, it makes sense you know what i mean it's it's real and let, let's get into the word let's get into you know these kinds of doctrines you know what i mean and so and i hope you enjoyed this episode you got anything left to say um not nah, just just be tuned because uh we're gonna get into it yeah and uh we we want to i mean like i said my heart is to to, to feed the sheep and uh, to the disciple and uh, if we can reach out to anybody through this podcast and praise god yeah. if you're being edified amen, through this. amen yeah share this episode with you may know someone that is still stuck in the gang lifestyle you may know someone that you know is hooked on drugs you know or if you yourself you know what i mean uh are still in that kind of lifestyle you know uh come to to the lord in repentance and faith and he'll take away all that you know what i mean he'll give you a new hope a new heart with new desires and he he'll 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 keep blessing you, you know what I mean? Spiritually, you know? So gracias for tuning in. This is Reformed Raza. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, to follow us on Instagram, send us an email, uh hit that five star like button, you know, uh leave us a comment on, on Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, interact with us, you know, on Facebook and Instagram, comment, you know, like, share. You know, uh, we do this to glorify God, you know, through the edification of the saints. You know what I mean? And and we're going to get in and stay tuned. 2020. Uh, we're going to get it. We're going to get it in. You know, the the year of a perfect vision. <laughs> hey, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I, I feel like a lot of churches are going to be like, this is the year of vision. You know? 2020 is your year. <laughs> you need to have a year of vision. I mean, they say that every year, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> But yeah, uh, gracias for tuning in. This is Reform Raza. We're checking out. A rato, vatos. Later. This man was in the back end Chilling with the villain Smoking weed in front of children Used to catch him in action Mashing with the passion His opponents kissed one fist The other should desire If he's saying It's crazy with this homie I used to bang with Gang fights in the late nights But now he's changing I'm making it known If faking at homies With his brothers and sisters Worshiping the Lord Instead of selling them drugs Walking down your hood 
blade in my hand, sipping 40s, getting buzzed. I'm with the church in your block, doing work so you can stop and glorify my Lord in a world so dark. I got the word in my heart, and it's sharp like darts. I stick him to my chest before my heart beats starts to revive me. Got the spirit inside, buying high. Yeah, I just wanna live right. Back with that spiritual rap No nonsense, no vines, I ain't lying Tag bad, I'm just doing my thing It's funny to me I'm doing real good, but you see me insane Cause the drugs in my system left for chunks in the prison Some say that I'm tripping, but God gave me a new vision Out with the old, in with the new Started feeling cold, so I learned a new groove That I moved, I've improved with the moves No bruise, no drags, no cruising in the vans Trying to bruise another man Or should I say boy, cause he'll never learn Play with fire, and you should have get burned I got second degree, but someone set me free He's alive inside, and he's taking away my pride Just like the night when he took away my cry Am I high or sober, just living life older I live today, but will I die tomorrow? Something I gotta ask, cause life ain't worth it Living in the past, break my chains And take away my pain, cause I don't wanna live mad If you are Christ Let me take you on a time lapse, rewind, flashback When all that I knew were street raps and dub sacks Call me Aladdin cause I was known as a street rat Ballhead Cortez saying where's the weed at Talk to me about Jesus, thought I didn't need that Now Jesus is on the cross, yeah homie I preach that And I would never relapse cause how can I forget The morning I cried out to you and you saved me from my death My addictions and regrets, the convictions in my head Through every situation man I should have been dead But Lord who am I that you heard my awful cry All I knew were gang signs, fist fights, late nights, content pipes Back out of my mind, down ready to ride, ready to die Now let them know that Christ is alive To the homies and enemies on methamphetamine To the penitentiary, let them know Jesus can set you free